0: Now we've talked about some unusual things here on the show, and we don't really seem to run out of interesting topics. Look at this next one. It's a phenomenon called synesthesia. And if you have it, then you are one of the people who can hear colors or even taste words. I know that sounds very strange, right? What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out now with the help of Jonathan Jerry, science communicator at the McGill Office for Science and Society and host of the Body of Evidence podcast. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. How long have we known about this? We've known about this
1: for a while, uh, but it's been uh, it's been very poorly understood for a very 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 long time. And in the you know in the during the Victorian era and sort of the, the late eighteen hundreds, it was it was a, a very interesting topic of conversation. And then in the nineteen hundreds, in psychology, there was this movement towards you know looking for objective data and so it was it was it was a very because it's a very subjective experience uh, a lot of doctors and psychologists were kind of frowning down on, upon it and it's only recently that has been taken more uh seriously that has been studied and for which we now have enough data to say yeah it is it is real we're not quite sure what's happening there but it is real
0: okay so what is it exactly like what do people experience so a lot, there are lots of different
1: forms of synesthesia. Uh, if you look at, for example, uh, the, the famous physicist Richard Feynman, he would always see the letter X as being dark brown. Uh, the classical composer Franz Liszt uh, would see colors when he would, when he would listen to music. Uh, and so it's often described as a merging of the senses, although that's not a very accurate definition of it. It's very difficult to describe what synesthesia is. <clears throat> In its most basic form, there's what is called an inducer, and there's a concurrence. So what this means is that there's a trigger. There's something that is, being, that is being seen, that is being felt, and that leads to a specific experience. And it's spontaneous. It is effortless. It's accepted as normal. Um, and so for some people, uh, you know, one of the most common types of synesthesia is that they will see letters or numbers as always having the same colors. So, for example, the letter A is always red for them. Again, it's not, it's not a choice that they're making. It's just spontaneously and effortlessly Happens. For other people, it's the days of the week, and they're always in a specific spatial arrangement in front of them. Sometimes words have taste, sometimes tastes conjure up specific shapes in, in a person's mind.
0: Okay, so, and this happens to people, and what is the result of this? Or is this something that they kind of always have just lived with? Is it, does it tell us something else about them?
1: So very often it seems to develop at an early age. Uh, some people do acquire it uh, later in life. Some people will lose their uh, their sight uh, at some point in life, and they will develop synesthesia that way. For other people, it's brain trauma. But the vast majority, they just seem to uh, develop this at a very early age. And it's not a medical condition. It's not. There's nothing bad about this. In a lot of uh, they're known as synesthetes. So people with synesthesia, they're often uh, they feel pretty much okay about this. It's just it's just an, a, another way. Of, of thinking and experiencing the world. Um, so, yeah, it's just quite, quite interesting.
0: And throughout history, we have seen this.
1: We have seen this, uh, yeah, throughout, throughout history. This is, it's, it's not new. Um, you know, Jean Sibelius was a classical composer. He also had uh, these kinds of experiences. He would look at certain colors and he would hear music in a specific key. Uh, so it, it's, it's been around for a very long time. But, of course, it was very difficult to, uh, to study this.
0: Do we link it to artistic expression?
1: So that's an interesting question. So it, it seems that synesthetes are overrepresented in the arts. So there are more synesthetes than you would expect uh, who gravitate toward the arts. And it, it makes sense because, of course, if you are experiencing the world in this very peculiar way, uh, you might want to spend more of your time exploring this. Now, we don't know if it's a synesthesia that leads to artistry or... If having a certain artistic bent creates anesthesia, uh, there is a hypothesis that maybe, and this is all it is, it's speculation, maybe uh, certain children, when they're learning about abstract concepts like letters, like numbers, that they train themselves to develop this automatic association between, you know, colors, for example, Uh, because you can train certain adults to develop a form of synesthesia. It's not, uh, it it does fade out over time, but there is this, it can be learned to a certain degree. So there is this hypothesis that, well, maybe, you know, children who are, who have this artistic bent, they are sort of uh, using its synesthesia as a way of learning about these abstract concepts, like music, like numbers and like letters.
0: Uh, Okay, what I find interesting Interesting about this is Jonathan, the way you're describing it and the way people have a relationship with it. It almost sounds like it's for them. It's a positive experience. It doesn't feel like it's a negative for them.
1: Very much so. Uh, the, 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 the sort of the, the main negative experience sometimes if you're always used to seeing the letter as being red for example and you see it printed in a different color it kind of rubs you the wrong way because it's you know it shouldn't be blue it should be red Uh, but that's that's sort of a a mild uh, discomfort I suppose but no uh, as a whole it's not a psychiatric disorder there's there's no uh, negative symptoms associated with it it is just you know some some um, other way that the brain uh, can work there there's there are many uh, ways that, to experience the world that are that are normal, that're just part of normal diversity, and that is just one of them.
0: So is this something that we're kind of learning more about now that we can I don't know take have better imaging of the brain and understand kind of what's going on there?
1: Yeah, so there are studies of that, there are brain imaging studies trying to see you know, what is different about the brains of synesthetes compared to people who don't have synesthesia, uh, is there something anatomical in the brain, is there something functional in the brain, and there have been studies showing associations, but they're not very reliable simply because they test very, very few people, and they test so many areas of the brain that one of them is bound to uh, show a positive result, and so we, so as, as far as we can tell right now, there are no differences between the brains of synesthetes and the brains of non-synesthetes, but of course more and and better and larger research is is needed to, to drill down to what exactly is happening there.
0: So are people more, like, how common is this, I guess? Are people, more people coming forward with this saying, oh, yeah, like, I always thought this was just something that I had.
1: Yeah, so based on the data that we have, uh the, the the survey data, so people who see letters and numbers as being of a particular color, that's about 1.4% of the population. Uh people who see days of the week as being specific colors, that's 2.8%. Uh people who experience uh shapes when they taste uh their specific taste, that's 0.2% of the population. So it is it is not rare. Uh it is it is, you know, common enough. Uh and there are there are many different forms of synesthesia. And so depending on who, who you read, it's going to be somewhere between 60 and 150 different forms of synesthesia. So it's quite, quite common.
0: But the way you just described it, though, it sounds like there's different versions of this. So there's more common versions. Like you said, the most common one sounds like people who see days of the week as as colors or shapes.
1: Yeah, as as colors, so so associating a a trigger of some sort with a with a perception of a color seems to be one of the most uh, common forms of synesthesia.
0: Okay, that is so interesting. Then, so it must help people to know that they're not alone.
1: They're not alone. There are communities online uh, for people who have synesthesia who want to talk about it. Again, it's, it usually, usually does not cause any kind of distress. It's just part of normal sort of neurodiversity. Uh, But of course, the more we learn about this, the more we learn about how the brain works. And that can have ripple effects uh, down the line.
0: And so is this a spectrum? Like people can have all different versions of this, they might feel it more intensely than other people's would feel?
1: Some researchers are starting to think of it as a spectrum. Yes, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, sort of ways of, of thinking ways of the brain working as being on a spectrum, you know, autism is, is, is a spectrum disorder. Uh, and so, um, so yeah, it, it, it might very well be a, a, a spectral uh, uh, way of experiencing the world. Yeah.
0: So interesting. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Well, my pleasure.
0: That's Jonathan Jerry. Jonathan is a science communicator at the McGill Office for Science and Society and host of the Body of Evidence podcast. We're talking about synesthesia. So maybe you're one of these people who you taste something and you see a color or you hear something and you see a color or you hear colors. It's so fascinating to think about how the brain works in that fashion. And this is something that has been documented for hundreds of years that people experience this. And yeah, we are learning more about the brain all the time.